You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right. We are the Fancy Joes. I am at Royal Librarian, Ryan Livergood. Joining me from the Pillow Palace in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it is at Fantasy Joe underscore Will, Will the Thrill Greenwood. Oh, oh, she's ready for tonight. I have done one of the oddest deep dives that you hear about a little bit later that I spent far too much time on getting into but i gotta take everybody i gotta take we've got a lot of takes tonight will we're, we're gonna get people ready for the nfl draft by you know get, talking about some of the things that we're gonna do to b- before the 2021 nfl draft gets here because we're you know what less than two weeks away by the time this episode comes out and there are some things you can do to prepare some potential trade targets of guys that might change value during the draft. Um, so we're going to have that conversation and so much more, but first, Will, let's talk about what's going on in the NFL. We we've got a little bit of movement this week. A couple of things have happened. The only one I noted was James Connor going to the not. No, he's going to the Cardinals. And I am a big fan of the signing, especially in the places that I have James Connor, because his fantasy value just became relevant again for at least one more year. And this, this may indicate that they are drafting a running back earlier than what we think. You know, we've seen veteran signings year after year that all that means is that they're getting somebody for the young, more athletic, you know, more prolific rookie to come under. Um, but I am, uh, I, 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 right. Actually, I, I think if, if James Conner's value is going to stay like heavily depreciated, I, I, he's like, I, he might be one of my before draft. I didn't even write it in there acquisitions just as a risk it. Uh, Cause he's going to be cheap. No, I think James Conner has been pretty devalued pretty far. So, um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not on the chase Edmonds hype train. We talked about this, you know, last week or the week before you look at what is, is, you know, PPR ranking would be from ESPN. But uh, I, I, I don't have any trust in chase Edmonds taking over that role. Like it, it's in beating out James Conner. You were, you were excited about chase Edmonds before what happened. Well, I was at the beginning and we kind of flip-flopped, but, when you look into to Chase Edmonds, he's had like one boom game every season. He's had a couple of breakaway runs uh, and he's been successful in like kind of odd places. He also caught a lot more passes overall. And my excitement kind of wanes because I think he was one of the, like the best pass catching backs of last, like sneakily best pass catching backs from last season. And maybe he can still fill that role. But I think that I never expected him to become the full bell cow. I do think it was worth the risk before they acquired James Conner. And we'll see what they do in the draft to buy into Chase Edmonds at, at his cost. If you're paying like a, a late second, you're not really losing all that much for, for what you get with him. And James Connor, if his injury history or if he, it's not even just injuries, like, like stay unbanged up. It, it's unlikely, but we don't really know. But uh, one of the things is, uh, you know, I was pulling up Chase Edmonds on, on player profiler and it's fascinating to me just kind of what his, his stats are overall. Uh, like one, he doesn't face stacked fronts in the NFL rarely at all. Uh, and when he does face them, he does very poorly. Even in base fronts, uh, it, 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 it dwindles heavily. He's done his best against a light front, and then especially when he's in shotgun. So there he has, you know, you know higher yards per carry, uh, more prolific ca- catches and touchdown rate, everything like that. But I, I, he just is – he's not going to be that every down back. You know, he's been used as that in one or two games in the past two seasons. But uh, 
I think when you have a player like James Conner, one, I think James Conner instantly becomes the goal line back there between the two, which on the Cardinals and a potentially, again, prolific offense, I'm very excited about. And two, he could become the the early down or even short yardage back. And there's just a lot of, a lot of carries out there that he's going to eat up. That is going to make him what I would see is, you know, like an RB two going into next season. And what he does is he pushes chase Edmonds down. Like his, his upside and excitement just, just kind of moves down. I just don't see right. right I, I can't get excited about chase Edmonds again. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, I think with chase Edmonds, you're talking about maybe a, well, now the argument is, is he even a premier handcuff? Because I think Arizona is going to bring someone else in. I think they're going to draft one of these younger running backs. Who's going to be their running back one. It's probably going to be a, a backfield by committee because that's one thing that James Conner and Chase Edmonds could both provide you is that, you know, they're both talented enough or they're going to, they're going to get carries. They're going to get touches. It's going to be annoying. So it might be really annoying for fantasy. So the, the question is, is, is James Conner, Chase Edmonds. I, I still think that Edmonds is probably the more premier handcuff. If I had a bet on one of those two guys to be like the backup to who I'm projecting that they draft. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what we're going to see with James Conner because he's just been, you know, uh, his body's taking a beating in the NFL and he was on the free agency market for so long. That's not a good sign to, to me. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, do you want to spend something to acquire James Conner? I don't, I don't think it's a horrible bet because the cost is so low, right? I don't think that this news has, you know, Risen has his value tremendously, maybe in a few leagues, but I don't like most leagues. So I'm okay if you want to acquire him on the cheap because it's, it's very, because this happens every year, right? Well, where we think a team's going to draft a running back and, and there are a few teams that don't. And then all of a sudden the guys are on their roster. They're the ones that, that are on the depth chart that are in line for carries. And that, that can happen. I mean, it certainly could happen in Arizona. I don't think there's a guarantee they're going to draft a running back, but I think, you know, the odds are they are. But hey, if you don't take a couple of cheap gambles on these guys, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and it's going to – I mean, signing a veteran running back is typically a sign that you're going to draft, uh, like, a, you know, a, a, maybe a day two, super early day three running back. Um, and by super early, I just mean round four. <laughs> so, I, I don't know, but uh, I'm kind of convincing myself into uh, going out there and acquiring some James Conner shares. I, I think his his upside in that offensive potential, I, I, I don't know, at least, at least in a timeshare – He's going to get some of the lower value touches in the middle of the field, but he's also going to get a, a lot of the high value touches near the end zone with, and with Kyler Murray on a run pass option, like James Conner is, he's in my opinion, still a great running back. Not maybe not great, but a really good running back. And he just, the last, last season's Pittsburgh offense was just, just miserable. Yeah. So let's see, there, there aren't too many trades that have gone down. I'm just looking to see what, what's happened, you know, since this James Conner news came out. Um, so the, these trades happened today. This is Wednesday, the 14th when we're recording. So someone acquired James Conner for a, the, the 308. So there you go. I mean, do you want to take a game on a third round pick or James Conner? I think I'd even go James Conner there. It just depends on what your, what your style is, you know, but I'll, I'll take a, you know, running back in that backfield. What do you think? Yeah, easily. Yeah. So there's not I mean, much else. Uh, Mike Davis is going for the 308. Just a few, you know, a few few days ago so uh, james connor or antonio brown in the 307 you see so you have to pay a little bit more what, what do you think about that one yeah i, I think you you can't really value james or uh, antonio brown very highly anymore yeah i, I see that as the bucks is week over week value like 
the, the upside of James Conner is that like uh, this unknown situation turns out very fruitful for you. And he's, you know, an, an every week starter potentially in the flex position. The downside is that he's just as surpassed. Uh, he's washed. Uh, Chase Edmonds is the absolute stud and, I, and I'm incorrect kind of all about all of this, but the, it's just such, such a low risk. But, but, but after, but the other argument could be, at, well, I mean, once again, it's a gamble, it, you know, if, if you get him now and they don't draft anybody, his value is going to go up. Uh, but even if you can't get him now for whatever reason, and they draft a running back, you know, let's say it's even a guy like Travis Etienne or whatever goes to Arizona. Fine. Um, you know, that's like the better uh, version of Chase Edmonds. As we, <laughs> as we, as we see every year, you know, unfortunately injury goes down, he goes down the preseason or something. And, you know, who steps up to be their number one running back? It very well could be James Conner. Probably odds are he would be the odds on favorite. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that sometimes you can make these little kind of these small transactions in your league. And maybe it's a bit of a gamble and maybe it doesn't work out for you. But if, you know, if you're the 308 to, to put that guy in your roster, I'd rather have a, a, like a handcuffed backup running back on my roster than some, you know, under you know, undersized slot wide receiver. Could I take Robinson in the third round? That pick Ryan. Could have taken. Could have taken who? Robinson. James Robinson. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, but but yeah, I, actually, in, he's only twenty six, and he. I mean, he's had the problem is, you know, in twenty nineteen he played ten games, in twenty twenty he's played thirteen. We haven't seen a good James Conner in a while, so that there is there's definite concerns. But I I I, I still love the player. I, I can't quit him. Hey, and other recent news, and it, it happened, I think sh- it's funny because we, we referenced this maybe happening on last week's show, and then it happened. We saw Gio Bernard go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh. So, and Julian Edelman retiring, I don't think that that's big fantasy news if you were expecting a big year in 2021 for Julian Edelman. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry. You're probably not very good at Dynasty. Um, I just sent the 305 for Julian Edelman and James Conner. Uh, Gio, Gio makes me sad that he goes, he's going to the Buccaneers, although he does fit that pass catching role better than anybody else in that backfield. I know Leonard Fournette can catch the ball, but he is not, not the same type of tool of Giovanni Bernard. No, 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 no. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's, you, you can't spin it positively for Rojo or Fournette. And, and I mean, I'm not surprised. I kind of figured that Tampa Bay would add some kind of pass catching running back that that wasn't going to fall to Fournette um does that mean that Keyshawn Vaughn though is like a uh, healthy scratch every game they're probably not going to have four starters every week yeah. I don't well, think Vaughn plays special teams who knows maybe they we'll, we'll see what Geo's got left right I, I mean it maybe Vaughn will outperform him early and, and take that role I, I I mean I don't know I mean uh you know Ke- Keyshawn Vaughn is like I I don't know I kind of feel like he is the classic landing spot guy, you know, the, that we, we do this every year that like we're going into it, It's like, yeah, he's kind of interesting. And then landing spot, we overreact to landing spot. And all of a sudden he rises. And people well, and need third round draft capital is so. important. Yeah, no, it, it, it is it, for, for sure. It wasn't like, yeah, no. So, but, but I think there, we've seen this with third round running backs that we like day two running backs are good, but they don't always pan out. You know, so yeah, I, I, uh, so like overall worth the gamble, but maybe we reached too high. Yeah, yeah. all those places I took AJ Dillon ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn, or the biggest mistake was taking either of those two ahead of Justin Jefferson, just pounding my head against the table about that. Did that happen in any leagues? I don't remember any leagues where, where Dillon went before Jefferson. Oh, I, I was in a couple of them, really. That's interesting. Um, 
but you know, uh, yeah. In hindsight, Justin Jefferson is somebody we all, everyone should, even people that were high on him, should have been higher on him. You know, clearly, but that's you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, you know, Jalen Rager went a lot of ass before Justin Jefferson. So there you go. Um, hey, well, did you hear about that athletic article that they were that they did and they wrote about the Philadelphia Eagles and um, just how Howie Roseman's influence and what happened with with uh, Peterson and did you did you see that article? No, I, I do not read the athletic as much as you do because it was very interesting because um, and you know what Je- Jeffrey Laurie, right, the the owner there, it, it sounds like it's kind of a mess and they've got an analytics team and a scouting team and everyone is not on the same page. And I guess during the draft last year, there were you know, scouts for the Eagles that were surprised about the picks that they made. <laughs> so no one really knew what was going on. So after reading that article, I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, gosh, I don't think I want to own any Philadelphia Eagles. Cause it doesn't sound like they know what the hell they're doing. I don't know. I don't even know if their draft picks are, are, is it the owner? Cause I guess Jeffrey Laurie likes to go to the senior role and scout and he's, like starting to become more of a meddling owner than he, he yeah. was even a couple of years ago. So, you know, when that starts to happen, when the owners are, are thinking of more than their own scouts that they employ, it makes me nervous. So, um, it's yeah, too it, bad. It, Cause it I got can only go to only go to like highlight games, you know, where the practices where they can maybe flash some skills in one day and really impress you. Yeah. Well, and they, they just don't know, you know, what, what players are going to fit, like, you know, a coach's scheme or what they're looking for. So I just, I don't know. It's always a better recipe. It, it, it seems like so many NFL teams, they, some of these things that should be, you know, kind of like, um, you know, you know, team management one-on-one or team building one-on-one, like have everyone on the same page, you know, all agree on a philosophy and, you know, you're, you're the, you know, this is your job. This is my job. But so many of these, you know, NFL teams by these billionaires that own them, that, you know, built these other businesses and are super successful, they can't, you know, run a, you know, an NFL team. And I know, I know, I know it's not easy, but it, it seems to me that there's some things that are kind of, you know, common sense that you'd want to put in place. Well, Ryan, it's their, it's their cash cow hobby horse. I mean, they're raking in money every year from their NFL teams and then they want to get involved because they're NFL fans. Yeah. I, I as, as a, as a billionaire, when you, when you own, when you own a team, you own a, a large stake or own a team, you might not know much about how, to actually scout and prospect players, but you know that this team makes you a lot of money and you know, one player that you really like, and you're the owner now, and this is not your, like, you know, whatever you do in the draft, it's going to make you a ton of money. And I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. And they live in a different world that we'll never understand or know. And and it's their teams. And they do whatever they want at the end of the day. Right. I, you know, I get, I get it. It's just, I don't know. It was, it was really interesting. So if you get, if you get a chance, if you're happen to be an athletic subscriber, if you're not um, DM me on Twitter and I will, I think I got some free trials I can, I can send out to you. Um, but, um, but it's a, it's a really interesting article, like looking behind the scenes and, and um, kind of explains why, you know, it was only a few years ago that they won a Super Bowl and now they are completely rebuilding because there's just so much uh, chaos going on within the organization and infighting. And, and just, yeah, just one really of the best Super Bowls in recent memory, that game was awesome. Oh, so good. So good. Um, uh, okay, should should we jump into what I am? I just kind of put in the show sheet as our kind of our action items prior to the twenty twenty one NFL draft. Like what we're kind of thinking, what we're doing. Are we trying to acquire rookie picks to get rid of them. Are we trying to target certain players? So we, you want to get into that, Will, and kind of kind of lead off with your thoughts. All right, it's it's that it's a it's it's one kind of main thought in here, and and bear with me as we go through this, Ryan. <laughs> You've got all kinds of thoughts. Come on. Well, this is, this is the main thought. 
Okay, big one. This is action plan before the 2021 NFL draft. Okay, here we go. My biggest action plan before the NFL draft is to try to buy Zach Ertz as cheap as possible before the draft. And one part of this is, uh, from what I understand, is he really can't be cut until after June 1st with the way the NFL works. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's going to be a trade potentially during the draft. Something happens. Uh, he does carry about a $12 million cap number, which is a little bit of a inhibitor for a lot of teams, but the cap is kind of like this fictional number that teams work around all the time anyway. Uh, but anyway, he, so he can't be cut. So he's good. Like he's he, like draft day is the day that he could move. So I'm trying to get him before this, this happens and even after, but right now I, I just feel very, very happy about this. And he might be at his cheapest possible at this moment. He does turn 31 uh, November 10th of this year, but that's not, that's not aging out as, as a tight end. Uh, first and foremost, Ryan, I think we quickly forget just how prolific Zach Ertz has been. So in 2018, so three fantasy seasons ago, uh, he put up 280.3 PPR points, which is the, the sixth highest tight end individual season since 2010. So you have uh, 2020 and 2018, Travis Kelsey, uh, 2013, Jimmy Graham, 2011, Gronk, uh, and then you had, or sorry, Gronk in 2011 and 2010. And then, yeah, I think, I, sorry, I think I listed them all. Uh, anyway, so those are the only five individuals seasons that have been better than what his 2018 was. He is, I mean, when it comes to like tight end scoring fantasy points, he's been a massive, massive stud. He's also had sustained success. So from 2015 moving forward, and I was going to do this since 2014, but let's just go with tight end ones because 2014, he was tight end 13 in his second season in the NFL. But anyway, uh, 2015 through 2019, he was a tight end one. And not just some schlub of a tight end one. His low was 74 catches and his high was 116. And I get that I'm just listing off stats that you can read on a website that are very easy to find. But it's important because in a position that doesn't age out as quickly as other positions, sustained success matters and it can be a predictor of the future. His 20, moving on to like why his value has decreased. I think number one, uh, you, we talked about this Eagles franchise. They were a complete mess. Uh, 2019 wasn't great. Uh, and then in 2020, he had a high ankle sprain in week six and uh, missed five games. High, uh, high ankle sprains are like a big, big problem for basically any position player uh, for fantasy overall. I mean, it, it takes away your explosiveness. I mean, you look at high ankle sprains throughout the years, basically like I think Saquon Barkley came back from it pretty quickly. Uh, but if you just extrapolate it out in those, those first, I just want to go those first six games, uh, and not, not include the ones after the high ankle sprain, uh, and you took Travis Kelsey's uh, routes run over the season, he would have run more routes than Travis Kelsey. It's not like a great uh, side-by-side comparison, but at least let's get some perspective that he was running uh, some of the, uh, he was the highest route runner at the tight end position in the NFL before he got hurt. There's also a, a, at least an okay history of tight ends being able to translate to new teams immediately. Uh so when Jared Cook went to New Orleans, I know he had some kind of troubled history in the past, but he was tied in seven in his first year. Trey Burton, who went to Chicago, was tied in eight in his first year. Logan Thomas, I think we forget, this is his first year with the Washington football team, tied in three. Jimmy Graham going to Seattle. Uh, he was tied in 20, but 11 games because of some injuries. But the next year, uh, he was tied in four and then tied in six, respectively. One of the one of the, the punching bags of, I feel like, fantasy podcast, Eric Ebron, when he went to Indiana, he was tied in four in his first year. Delaney Walker, when he went to Tennessee, was tied in 10, then tied in two, five, and five. 
Uh, there is on the bad side, like like Austin Hooper. I, I mentioned Jared Cook's years. There's some Hayden, like Hayden Hurst is, is a bad example. Well, yeah, there's always some examples of where it doesn't work out, sure. But Titan, also Titans don't honestly change teams all that often. It, it's tough to find examples of this, Ryan, for like fantasy relevant Titans changing teams. So yeah. there's just like a, a quick history of at least building an argument to where a healthy uh, Zach Ertz changing teams is not a detriment to his fantasy value. Yeah, Greg Olson went to Carolina Panthers and had some great years there. I mean, there, there are other examples. It's an older example. But, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I, went, I went and looked up Greg Olson, but I forgot that he played for the Bears. Only when we went, uh, went to play for the Seahawks, and it didn't go well. Yeah. Yeah, think, from, think, from, yeah, from Bears to Carolina, another great example. Not, not the same age, but uh, still had a, a great, great career. And part of, the, yeah. part of the hate of the tight end position, Ryan, is this – you know, tight end scoring, tight end scoring. They don't score any points. They don't, they don't score any points. And we have just kind of seen a downward trend. Uh, or we, I think there's just more year-over-year variance to tight end scoring than what we're willing to accept. So I just went back a little bit. Uh, the average of the top 12 tight ends in PPR scoring in 2015 was 202 points. And when you go high to low, uh, you know, you're going to average that out. But it, basically, like 220 or 202 fantasy points is, is at least worthwhile to mention. Uh, versus in 2020, it was 178. So a 24-point difference on average between 1 and 12, and there's a big value-based difference between you know the, the top three or four tight ends and the next eight. So long story short, Ryan, I, I still think Zach Ertz has some juice left in him. Uh, he has been elite enough for me to buy into his previous production, and he is being shamed and hated on too much. And I think the draft, he could get traded in the draft, and even if he doesn't, uh, I think this is a good time to go out and get him. Yeah, I, I like what you say about Ertz here, Will. Uh, yeah, as you said, I mean, he he's not even 31 yet. He turns 31 this year, but in December. So, uh, you know, we're not talking about a wide receiver, you know, that's 30, 31 years old. We're talking about a tight end. And Yeah, still I younger than Calvin Ridley. Yeah, he's got several years left in the tank. And you know, one of the things that I always look at with these guys is how durable are they. And if you look at his career, with the exception of 2020, he played at least in 14 games his whole career. That's pretty impressive. That's awesome for a tight, for a tight end. end. Yeah. yeah, that's unbelievable. You know, he had over, you know, between 2015 and 2019, five seasons. You, you, you touched on these statistics, but, you know, easily over 100 targets in those five years. Um, like he, he's been consistently good. And I think, you know, 2020 for the Eagles, it, it was just a mess. And referring back to that athletic article, I didn't well, mean their team st- wasn't great either. Yeah. Their team wasn't great, but there was just so much, you know, uh, craziness going on with that organization and with Carson Wentz, they, you know, wanted to empower him to, you know, make some decisions on the field, but, but not empower him too much. And then, then Jalen hurts being there, like threatened his presence. I mean, I, I feel like it was just a mess. So you've got Ertz dealing with injuries and then, you know, a quarterback that just had this, horrendous year and offensive lineman. I mean, it was just a, it was just a mess. So what a high think, ankle sprain. In yeah. 2020. I, that's tough. You gotta, you gotta throw out 2020 for, for, you know, when you, when you look at his career and assuming he's healthy and you know, he, yeah, they're going to, they're going to trade him. They, I think they kind of have to get rid of him. I think they kind of need to save that, that space. He doesn't want to be there anymore. So I, I really think, well, it's, it's going to be the Eagles or excuse me. The Eagles are from the Colts. I think it's going to be the Colts. Somehow the Colts are going to figure out how to get it done and, you know, pair him with Carson once again. I think, I, I think he's going to get fixed now that he's out of that situation, at least to a certain degree. Um, you know, Frank Reich, he'll, he'll be reunited with him where he was so successful with, with that coach. And um, I, I, 
I love it. I, I, I think that um, in terms of the Colts drafting a tight end, amazingly enough, well, Chris Ballard, their GM has never drafted a tight end. So it doesn't mean he won't, but I think it's indicates that it's not likely I I'm, you know, unlikely for them to take a guy like Revan Jordan or something to add yeah. to that, this tight end I, there. So I'm just, I think, yeah, I think that Ertz is a great buy. I think he's going to end up in the Colts one way or the other and his value is going to go up. I th- and I, you can get him for cheap, which we'll talk about in a second. So yeah, I, yeah, I like but, this take. Yeah. Before we get that too, I think the number one part of that, that during all this, that I like didn't even realize that we don't respect enough is the sixth highest tight end PPR points in a season since 2010. That's looking back 11 years. That's the sixth best season during that time. I think it's pretty incredible. And it's not that long ago. You know, he's, he's not out of where he's like, he's not technically in his like prime anymore, but he's still in a very productive uh, like part of his career. He, you know, two, three, four more years. Also, Ryan, I, I think the Colts, you know, it, it is a decent lane spot. It does. It just hurt me because I still want more like Cox to somehow become just an Uber dominant, uh, a tight end, but think about all the, like all the places you could possibly go. Uh, in the NFL, like, uh, like, t- like tight end is not a great position on most teams. I mean, if you, if you went to the Jaguars, I mean, even if you went to the Seahawks with Gerald Elbert there, that in a win now type of team and what they're doing, uh, you could go across. I mean, even, even landing in green Bay and supplanting Robert Tunyon. I know Robert Tunyon's the hero from last year, but uh, you, there's just, it's just the, the landing spots for a tight end and how little it's probably going to cost the team and draft capital to get them. They just have to make sure they have the cap space or that they can finagle it, or if they just choose not to, they'll wait till June 1st and he's cut. But I think I'm willing to take the risk now when his price is cheap enough anyway, to where uh, this, this type of tight end, if, if we were, I, I just ordered. Yeah. Right. I, I just don't get why we hate Zach Ertz so much, even in 2019 and, and not one of his best seasons, he still had 916 yards and six touchdowns. Like this past season, we would have, we would have been singing his praises and he would have been one of the best win now buys uh, coming into the season. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that has happened is that we've kind of like overcorrected ourselves because I remember that you know if you if you look at his that that one year that he had and, and that was a bit of an outlier and I lost I had it on my my um, it's 2018 22 was his best year yeah okay so let's go back to that that year in 2018 where I mean he just had an unbelievable year you know he was and he was peppered with targets 156 targets 116 receptions over 1100 yards, eight touchdowns, just, just a phenomenal year. And people are like, you know, he, he's going to regress, sell him, sell him. You know, he's, he's getting up there in years and there's no way he can repeat this year. And, and I don't think we're saying that he's going to repeat that year, but what did he do the next year? He sat had 135 targets, 88 catches, almost a thousand yards and six touchdowns. So yeah, he, he didn't quite have as big a year, but he didn't have this horrendous year. And then, then, but that we already built that narrative, right? Like, but we were disappointed because we were drafting him so highly in, in redraft. We were paying up for that at least a little bit. Right. Right. So it's like, well, look what's happened. And, and I think these narratives kind of start to snowball from year to year. And, and, and now we're, you know, you know we're looking at, we're like, wait a second, this is going too far. I mean, the guy's not 36 years old. Um, you know, he's not, he's not, um, you know, coming off like an Achilles injury or something, you know, it's, it, 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 yeah, we've just, we've just gone too far with Zach Ertz and, and it's dynasty. And let's be honest, we don't like to acquire older guys. We like the younger shiny toys, you know, um, how many dynasty shows this week are talking about acquiring veterans before the, the NFL draft, probably not too many because we, that's not fun or sexy. We want the younger players, you know, we want the, 
you know, the, 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 the guys that have broken out recently or, you know, the studs or the younger guys or the potential, we, we don't want these 30 year old tight ends um, that, you know, didn't have a good year. So I like this call. I like it yeah, a lot. And, and take a look at like a guy like Delaney Walker, when he turned 31, he went for a little bit over a thousand yards and six tutties. You'll take that every day of the week at, at, at tight end. That's the thing is I just, his, yeah, it's, it's, it's that, that, that tight end pyramid. Like people will want, uh, you know, like, like Ryan, one thing would be like, if I had Adam Troutman, I would trade Adam Troutman for, for Zach Ertz. He's the young hotness right now. Right. Uh, he's going to be drafted higher. He's coming to do his second season. It's, it is such a rarity for a tight end to break out in the, their second season that I would be more willing to gamble that Zach Ertz has a resurgence in his career for the next two, three years than I would that Adam Troutman actually becomes more valuable to my team. Yeah, and we do this all the time with tight ends. We're like, well, they've got so much potential. This is going to be the year, and and very, very rarely do we see it happen. It does occasionally, but but yeah, you, it's uh, the odds are much higher that Zach Ertz is going to have a couple of like really good years left than a guy like Adam Troutman's going to really do anything. So, um, recent trades, just to put it in context, well, I looked a couple up. Fourteen team superflex league, Alexander Madison for Zach Ertz. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I like Alexander Madison as much as anybody, but if I need a tight end, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I'd be okay with getting up Madison. Um, uh, then there's one Ertz and Ian Thomas for the two twelve and four twelve. I think I would rather have a guy that I feel good about being a starter in a couple of years in the tight end position, you know, as opposed to taking a late second round pick the super flex league, but still. So, um, what, what do you, what do you think? I mean, that, that's the kind of, and like what you're gonna have to pay to get Zach Ertz. So we're not talking about a ton here. It's not not like you have to break the bank to get him. Yeah, I've been trying to go that mid second round pick route to try to acquire Zach Ertz. Uh, even before this, and it hasn't worked out yet, Ryan. So that that two twelve plus Ian Thomas. I mean, Ian Thomas is gonna get replaced. He's. I <laughs> yeah. mean, he's just, it's uh, not happening, people. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just yeah. Uh, it's one of those he, I had a little bit of hype at one point in his career. Yeah, he, he's like the the less productive version of Chris uh, Chris Herndon. He didn't have one season where where we got very excited, you know. <laughs> the thing that kills me about Ian Thomas is he makes it sad for the pick four hundred one research. You know, when you go past the day in the draft, mm-hmm. that's what makes it worse. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think the thing is when when it comes to tight end, you you need to take points now versus trying to gamble points in the future. Uh, Noah Fant, T.J. Hawk, like basically all like top tight ends have been drafted haven't been like that great for you. I know Mark Andrews has been, but he was the the second round tight end of that team. And, it, and it's a rarity, such a rarity. And it, yeah, it, uh, difference yeah. maker. Yeah. Okay. So um, you want to transition to my, my guy that I'm looking to acquire before the draft. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I'm sorry, it's another tight end. This is like the tight ends to acquire for the draft show. And this guy kind of fits the profile of, of a guy you might want to avoid because he's never really done it before. And that's David Njoku. So David Njoku, I, I just want to quickly go through his career and remind everybody, you know, what's happened with him and, and why he's valued where he's valued. Um, cause, cause he's not valued very, very highly at all. This is a guy that if you go back to 2017 rookie drafts, you might recall you know, it's, he was going like in the late first round in some of these rookie drafts. We were excited about him. He went, um, you know, what it was like 22nd in the, in the draft to Cleveland. It was, it was somewhere in that area. Like, you know, late. yeah. Okay. Thank you. So late, they, late, they had like a few, like they had picks all over the place. They had picks all over the place. Yeah. Um, 
But is that I think they took Miles Garrett that year at, at one overall, if memory serves. Um the Corey Coleman year too? Maybe year might before. Have, might have been. Or year after sorry, year after. But but in any event, okay. So what happens in 2017? Well, you know, he he's you know, remember he's 20 years old on draft day. Well, he's 20 years old. That was the Hugh Jackson year. They went 0 and 16. So it was a rookie year. Let's just kind of say rookie tight end year. Let's move on. Second year, 2018. This is when Baker Mayfield had a really nice stretch. So um, really his best season as a pro, 56 catches, 639 yards, targeted 88 times, four touchdowns. So 11.4 yards uh, per catch average. So, okay, we're excited. Maybe his value is like looking good going to the third year. Well, the third year was totally a bust because he was injured week two. He did come back, but he was very limited. He played just four games. Five receptions, 41 yards, and a single score. Okay, fine. Third year, injured. What happens the fourth year? Well, remember going into that year, uh, you know, Cleveland, uh, um, their the, the GMs changed. Barry came in from, um, I, I think he was actually with the Eagles, and he signed Austin Hooper, and he drafted Harrison Bryant. So all of a sudden, and Joku's no longer the guy there. The guy that drafted him is no longer there. Um, and he has this reputation of being a bad blocker. He doesn't improve his blocking. Um, and he has a good week. First, the first week, he's like the starting tight end, tight end two, but he's injured again. Um, this is in the opening game. And when he comes back, he's no longer the starter. He had a, you know, he was a bright spot in that first game. So he lost his job to Harrison Bryant um, when he comes back by mid-October. And he shows some flashes, but obviously not a good statistical year. So that's been his whole thing. The, the Cleveland Browns did pick up his fifth year option, but they owe a lot of money to tight ends. And, you know, there's rumors that he could move. So I, I just wonder that that was a long recap of his career, but a guy we were very excited about in the dynasty community back in 2017. And because of, you know, rookie year throughout the window, he's basically had two years where he's been injured and one year, his second year where he played pretty well. So where does that leave us with David Njoku? I think it leaves us with a guy that's just a tremendous value because this guy compares somewhat favorably to this guy named Kyle Pitts that's coming into the league. Um, Maybe he's a poor man's Kyle Pitts, but you look at the numbers, Will, you've seen him. They're essentially the same height, uh, same weight, uh, same hand size, um, they're both huge. People talk about Kyle Pitts, his win, wingspan, um, 83 and three eighths inches. Well, David Njoku is 83 and an eighth inches. Um, Njoku's not quite as fast. He ran a four, six, four, 40, as opposed to a four, four, four. Um, that's still in the 90th, 90th percentile of tight ends. Um, he, you know, but you look at Njoku's vertical jump and broad jump. Um, he, his broad jump is actually a little bit uh, more than, uh, Cal Pitts, uh, 11 feet, one inch. That's 99.8 percentile. And David Njoku is only 24 years old. So Will, this guy has the physical traits close to Kyle Pitts who we're all like salivating, you know, over. He's got more experience. He's 24. He's getting closer to um, that peak in the league. He's gotten better. He's a better blocker. And he might go to a new team, a team that's going to trade for him and, and they're going to want to use him. Uh, so what do you think? David Njoku, acquire him before the draft do you, do you like this call or or is it just his injury <sighs> history is too scary for you ryan 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 no I, I i actually really like this this call out and i think the key part here is that we forget about his 
second year in the NFL is still, this is still a very young tight end. I mean, that production at that age is still valuable. We haven't seen David Njoku's best season in the NFL yet, in my opinion, which I think is important for he could move on to. They picked up the fifth year option, which I think was kind of odd. I, I kind of felt like they wouldn't, um, and, and he could move on. One thing about between, well, so anyway, right, I'm, I'm for the, the requiring David Njoku because, again, that trade candidate, he's he's cheaper compared to other people out there, and they can be resigned moving forward. At least somebody can look at them for for less money. The, the problem is if he gets traded to kind of a bad, like, like leadership team overall, I, I, I would have some concerns. But I think at this point right now, if he was traded to the Jets, I would really like that with their coaching staff that they just implemented. I think their ownership uh, in GM have a little bit to be desired, but at least we have we have a chance there. We have a good chance. Like, I, I would be very, very excited about that. I mean, again, like like the Jaguars, I feel like are the tight end landing spot like of, of dreams, that dreams are made of, or, or the Panthers, you know, or, I mean, you could, I don't, I'm not going to go through the list, but there are just so many, again, teams that could use a really great tight end. And David Njoku came out as a prospect. His yards after catch in college was what it was like 18 or 20 yards after the catch per reception in college. It was one of the the highest uh, that's ever been out there. And his best season compares like somewhat favorably to Evan Ingram's rookie season, which is why we've still kept this this Evan Ingram rookie hype going for four, like three years after that. And he's been (laughs) so disappointed. That's true. That's so true. And I, we just have lost David and Joker through the, you know, through the, the mix of everything because it's been two years. I mean, it's been two years since you've uh, been happy about having David and Joker on your team. And since that David Joker said in like positive light. So I do like that. He could go somewhere else. Don't forget about what the draft prospect of what he was again, young tight ends coming out are going to take a little while. I mean, even if he's, he's an Eric Ebron and he switches teams and has a tight end four year, that's a, that's a big win. That's a big win in that trade. Uh, I think it's fascinating, Ryan, that, uh, David Njoku has uh, over an inch longer arms than Kyle Pitts, but his wingspan is smaller. Yeah, How I much think... bigger is Kyle Pitts' chest? Yeah. Like his... <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that too. I was like, wow, this, that's, that's fascinating. Um, uh, yeah, and, and the, the thing about this is, if you think about it, the David Njoku owner probably looks at David Njoku on their roster and they think this guy is a roster clogger right um yeah and, and, and yeah and he, he kind of has been and he's even if he doesn't get traded he's going to be free agent after this year unless they you know franchise tag him which which is unlikely unless he has a great year so he's going to go someplace else so that's a good thing even if you acquire him now and it's cheap will i mean it's and and grant there's reason that there's a big reason he's cheap because like the injury history is a little bit you know scary i mean nothing like not a torn Achilles or anything that it's like, you're like, Oh my gosh. But um, you know, when you guys miss that much time, it, 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 it does make you hesitate to acquire them, but we're talking. Okay. I put in some trades, uh, recent trades, David and Joku uh, to acquire him in a 12 team super Lux league. It cost Devante Booker and a 2023 third round pick. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean really? Um, what, what's the upside of Devante Booker? You know, he's a, handcuff is essentially maybe a handcuff for he went to new york right with saquon anyway doesn't matter um it really doesn't van jefferson for david and joku i know van jefferson is a second round pick i don't i, I like van jefferson okay but on, on a team where i need a tight end 12 team superflex league i will send van jefferson for david and joku because i just think the upside with david and joku is pretty incredible yeah and, it, and it, maybe it doesn't doesn't play out maybe the guy 
is oft injured, you know, throughout his whole career and never amounts to much, or he just shows flashes. But I, I, I that's a, a, you know, a, a small gamble I want to take. Will because I, I just like I said, yeah, because what's the upside of Van Jefferson overall? He was an older draft pick coming out, uh, didn't really wow us in his rookie year, and I mean, I don't know, like he doesn't really fit into that that Rams offense in anywhere unless somebody else gets hurt. And even when they do, he doesn't, he doesn't flash. Yeah. But after seeing like these deals, like how little it is, like, you know, with, with the Zach Ertz deals that we saw, you're going to have to pay a little bit more to get Zach Ertz. And, and, uh, but I think the odds of Zach Ertz paying off for you the next couple of years are much higher. So thus it makes sense. He costs more, but you know, David and Joku, my goodness, especially if you're a rebuilding team and, and you need tight end help. I mean, you know what why not put him on your roster and if it doesn't work out for you you're giving up van jefferson so what so that's one of my big targets yeah it's he's a great throw in to a deal like find the team that has david and joku figure out what else you can work out in between there maybe you have another target of yours and uh have him be the add-in because it's tough to do like a straight up trade for him I agree. And that's where these are like, he's like a perfect throwing guy. And it's, it's going to be suspicious to the guy that you just sent him a trade offer for David Njoku. Like you're it's, I think it's going to be hard to get Devonte Booker and a third round pick for Njoku done. Unless that owner, I, if memory serves, didn't, didn't Booker um, sign with the giants and maybe he's Saquon's backup. I seem to think that that's right. I could be wrong about that though. But anyway, unless someone like wants him for a handcuff situation, you know, he has very little value, I think. Um, so yeah, it probably, he's probably a throw in. Whereas Ertz, he could probably just acquire Ertz straight up for something. Yeah. I just don't, I mean, owning Devontae Booker or having Devontae Booker on your team is just, where, where's the win there? Well, I mean, it, it, only one possibility that's a win, and that's a, that's a I mean, he's, he's, he's twenty. He's 28 <laughs> now. Uh, yeah, I mean, is Wade, like Wayne, Gall, is Wayne Gallman off the team now? I know he's under, is he not under contract? No, I, I think, I think Gallman is still there. I think I feel, I feel like Gallman, yeah, look this up, that Gallman was still going to be there. So, yeah, they'll have to duke it out to see who's the, um, you know, um, the 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 backup there, you know, or, or for for Saquon. So, but yeah, it was the Giants. I don't know why I was doubting myself. It's just he's he's kind of moved around a lot because you know he was Denver, then he went to the Raiders, and now now New York. So, um, okay. Um, uh, so other things, uh, uh, Will, that you want to do before your, um, you know. The, the drafts. So what, what about, what are you doing in terms of um, r- rookie picks? Cause I, I kind of have a theory on rookie picks. I want to run by you. So I'm, I'm looking at like kind of my tiers or guys I like in this draft class specifically in a super flex league. And I think for me there, there's kind of like eight guys that stand out. I'm not, I, I think they're probably different tiers within that group, but I'm very interested in four quarterbacks um, it, you know, basically the top five minus Mac Jones. I'm interested in Jamar Chase. I'm interested in Kyle Pitts. I'm interested in Najee Harris and, and Travis Etienne. And I'm definitely interested about more guys in the draft, but I feel like after those guys, it gets a little bit murky. So I would like to, if I've got late first round picks and I want a lot of leagues, so I have several of them. Um, I'm just, well, anyway, it's true, but um <laughs> I kind of want to, I kind of want to trade um, the, actually in a lot of those leagues, I traded my late first round picks for assets. Tell me when, so it's not, not necessarily true, but 
I'll get there to the point. I kind of want to trade a late first round pick to, to for a top eight pick. And I think a sneaky thing to do, Will, if you can't get into that top eight, if that's the perception in your league, I kind of like the idea of like the one, like the pick outside, like the 109, because I, I like that Keyshawn Vaughn effect where guys we don't see going high will go high because landing spot, you know. So uh, Javonta Williams goes to um, the Dolphins or something and everyone gets excited about that. And, the Niners. No, you know, like, and, and ETN and Harris go to perceive bad landing spots and they fall and he, he rises. I like things like that happen or wide receiver, you know, like, you know, Kadarius Tony, people get excited about him because he goes someplace early that he sh- shouldn't go so high to. And I don't know, there's always a surprise. So um, I, I, I kind of like, you know, moving up a little bit if I can't get in that top eight. So well, do you have any thoughts about the, the, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. I can't uh, go ahead. Cause you're talking about the top eight and in, in having the draft happen and then having those picks become more valuable. Uh, so you're going to take a gamble that there are going to be surprise landing spots and people are going to move up rookie boards based on those landing spots and not based on their talent. And yeah. again, that, that Keyshawn Vaughn effect, I mean, even with AJ Dillon, don't get me wrong. Still, still love AJ Dillon. But when he got drafted in the second round, Ryan, I was trying to scoop, scoop him up everywhere, everywhere I could. Or if there's, what if there's another, what if there's like a, a sneaky, like early second round quarterback, or even like some sort of weird scenario where another quarterback goes in the first round. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, sorry, what, I knew we were talking one QB and I went off on that tangent. And, but, uh, no, we're I talking think, two. We're talking two. No, we're ta- I'm talking superflex leagues with this. Yeah. yeah so I think I think outside of the top eight, though, I actually really like a lot of players outside of the top, like maybe the top eight. Because if you just go, like, if you have that eighth pick, like, and Mac Jones go highly, you just you scoop him up. Yeah, and, and I I'd be and that's the thing. I'd be okay with that too. Like, if I let's say I have the 112 and I'm able to move up to the 109, and and none of that really happens, but like Mac Jones is there. Like, I still I still think I. I like getting a quarterback late in the first round because Mac Jones w- will probably, you know, be drafted higher than, than, you know, if not at the one Oh three, I still think Mac Jones is going to go highly, you know, high, higher than some people in this community want him to go. And, yeah. and I, th- I think he'll, he'll get some, he'll get some play, you know? And uh, so, um, you know, I don't, I don't love Mac Jones, but at the same time at the right price, well, I'll, I'll take him in a draft if, especially if he's an early first round pick. Yeah, and uh, there's there's upside to Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones could be great. We might be underselling Mac Jones just because he played in an awesome offense uh, with elite wide receivers, and we've seen that in the past. Yeah, yeah, his, and his he, name's Joe Burrow. Yeah, no, and, and he could be like you know once again you don't want to chase outliers, but if you can acquire like an outlier at the right price, because I I, I do think that, um, yeah, he's he's more than just um, you know like a. Uh, um, just just kind of a guy that's that, that's a good decision maker or something yeah i, I think you're right I, I i think we need to give him um more credit especially if the nfl feels that way you know if if, if the san francisco 49ers feel that he is the third overall pick in this draft i think that says something i mean they could be wrong and i'm not saying you should chase it in your rookie drafts and your super flex leagues but we gotta listen to to what these nfl teams think they actually just acquired that pick to rip off the bears again, moving forward. <laughs> but uh, I, Ryan, I think in rookie drafts, I think uh, like Trey Sermon's getting more draft capital than what's initially anticipated. Uh, and he could be one of those movers. He, he could for sure. But I'm, I also, I also like Trey Sermon though, but I, I think that's a good point about that one Oh nine, but I also think maybe the, I don't know, Ryan, I, I almost look like one, one ten 
it, like, I, I like it, it really depends on how you feel. And that's just my opinion uh, based on how I feel. But I know there are some people that they might include um, uh, Smith or Waddle into that group and they feel really great about those guys. And if, if that's you, great. You know, maybe that means you, if you got an early second, you try to trade up into that lead first. You know, if you feel, I, but I think, I, the, I think the point I want to make is think about your zone on where you have these guys ranked. And it's going to be different for you and try to get into it obviously but even if you can't get into it you know take a step close to getting into it because you never know what's going to happen and there's always surprises in leagues where you think okay you know dlf you know rookie mock data has these guys going one through eight i've got 109 so i'm going to get this guy at 109 it all it takes is one of your league mates that's drafting ahead of you to do something that you think is unusual they, they love a guy or um yeah who, who knows right um, yeah, and I think this is a great point too because we're hitting in the at least the dynasty like the dynasty podcast uh, discussions is it's like tra- trade out of the late first round, trade out of the late first round, get rid of those picks. Uh, you know these prospects aren't what we, th- we thought they were. You know they're we didn't have a, like this, this combine to look at them. Uh, we had the weirdest season in college football history. You know get out of this spot, and now could be the cheapest time to get into there. And then even like you could trade that again when you're on the clock. Yeah. And, and that, that's, the, a, that's a great idea, Ryan. And that's a great thing. I mean, it's, it's rare that you acquire a pick now and you get close to your draft day that that pick goes down in value. I mean, you, you, it's, it's liquid no matter what, and even if you hate it, even you get it and you're like, Oh God, the one Oh nine, I don't want to have to take any of these guys. Well, no problem. You don't have to, I guarantee there'll be several of your league mates that want to get in there. Yeah. The, the, the thing with like rookie picks too in, in making deals is sometimes people will send you a surprise offer for your rookie picks that are, you know, you think it's like, Oh, well that that's actually a super fair trade. Even if this, this pick goes up in value, uh, but we're in the rookie hype season, but this is the least rookie hype season, Ryan. I think we've been a part of uh, besides that. having Paulie P on and getting us all jacked up about it. I, I really enjoyed that. I think that the, the general, like one, we, we talked about this, going into this rookie draft season is that we don't know how to handle this, this college season. Uh, I am right. I hope, I hope with everything I have that every player that opted out of this season in college, just booms in the NFL, just absolutely crushes it because again, you know, college football is basically like this, this like Ponzi scheme up into the NFL where you have to be out of high school for three years before you go into there. If this happens, I hope that this starts a trend of like really elite athletes, no longer putting their body on the line uh, for, for nothing, basically, uh, unless they want to go and get that college, you know, get a college education they're, they're utilizing that. But I think in general, they're, they're just taking advantage of left and right. And it's ridiculous. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And you know, I, well, when I was younger, like, you know, much younger, I used to kind of feel like, well, come on, you know, the, these, these guys that are getting, you know, they're getting scholarships, they're getting college, you know, it's, it's totally a fair deal, but no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's not fair that these schools and, and these college coaches honestly benefit so much from these talented individuals. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's, they get the short end of the stick. You know, there's no, there's no guarantees, you know, you go to college, you could get a bad injury, your career could be over. Whereas, you know, the, the, the coaches that are making, you know, millions and millions of dollars a year they don't have to worry about that so i i'm with you and i and i'm with you i, I hope they have tremendous success in that I mean, yeah a couple quick references i mean todd Gurley's knee arthritis came from his injury in college uh yeah. marcus Lattimore, that the running back for uh south carolina 
when he had his like knee twisted and it's like it's pretty gruesome again like his whole career he never recovered from that uh to be a productive player and then you look at so uh, another player and bring up like chris carson so now let's look at a, a later round draft pick career earnings at this point in time uh chris carson has made 3.7 billion dollars and he has been uh you know, a fantasy running back won a couple of times. He's been an NFL starter and been a really contributor, a real contributor to that team. And they have like, it's just the worst. Like <laughs> it's just the worst. So absolutely. If guys sit out of college uh, and they, or if they can get like an image, image likeness type of thing, and they can start to make some money when they're younger, uh, they should be able to for the athleticism and athleticism and what they bring to that, that school. Yeah. And you got to remember when you, uh, hopefully, I think most listeners probably do this, but when you, you know, some people will be like, Oh, that guy, you know, these professional athletes, they're getting, he's getting paid this, you know, he's not worth that money, blah, 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 blah. Well, look at how much money those franchises make and how valuable some of the stars in NFL are to those franchises. You know, you look at Patrick Mahomes contract and not that too many people say this, but people would be like, Oh, the chiefs gave way too much Patrick Mahomes. Are you kidding? Look at the wall he's given to them. Um, you know, and, and we'll continue to make for them. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll make the, the chiefs organization, you know, what, probably, you know, tenfold at least within whatever they're going to pay him in his career. Yeah, he's probably so. already made them a billion dollars already. Yeah. Right. So, and, and they paid him less than half of that out into the future. And that, and that's with the salary cap going up. Yeah. Right. So you got to put it in, in context. Yes. If we're talking about most of us, yes. You know, they, yes, they make ridiculous amounts of money for playing a, um, a game. However, it's a very popular game that all of us are addicted to and pump, you know, some money into one way or the other. So, um, you know, even if you don't, even if you don't buy anything, you're still watching football and you're, you're watching the ads and helping them make money. So, you know, yeah, we're playing DraftKings. No, yeah. I'm a bookmaker that you also, right. I love our weekly, uh, let's say it on the NFL as an organization <laughs> because we can't forget everybody that, although this is like, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly fun and interesting, game to play and scouting and it gives us all very much entertainment the nfl as an organization sucks and i they they, they do i'm i'm sorry Ryan. They, they just the the salary cap and the way it's going down coming in this year with these billionaire owners and then they allow a guy like dan schneider to buy out the rest of their rest of the co-owners for that team he's i don't know how many like deshaun watson i know this is coming out like dan schneider has way more well-documented instances of being far worse at this point at this point in time and has it since he's a rich billionaire owner, white dude, he's fine. And I hate that. I yeah. hate it with everything I have. So again, my weekly segment of hating on Dan because <laughs> Dan Schneider sucks. Okay, well let let's let's move on. We should probably. Um, uh, so what about um, any any players that we, we so we talked about guys we want to buy we talked about a little bit of pre-draft strategy anything you want to add to what i said i i'll just throw out there another thing that i know this is common wisdom but in terms of acquiring guys or selling guys before the draft i think the running back position i've kind of decided well i want to get out of that business in terms of acquiring or selling running backs because it's 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 a gamble i, I mean i think back to and a lot of people saw this coming. So this is maybe a poor example, but like Damian Williams with, the, with Kansas city, you know, people, some people were very hopeful that he was going to come back in 2020, have a good year for the chiefs. Um, and that didn't happen, obviously. I mean, even if he hadn't opted out for, for COVID considerations, you, you know, um, they added CEH and, and Le'Veon Bell eventually. So 
I just think when you're dealing with running backs prior to the draft, it's a complete gamble. It could really blow up in your face. So I guess the price, the price is probably right. A guy like James Conner that costs nothing to acquire fine. But if you're talking about, uh, you know, um, even a guy like David Montgomery, who seems pretty secure, you, you never know. We're going to the NFL draft. So all bets are off. Yeah. I mean, uh, look at, like I, I was doing a quick rundown with, with running back cells before the draft and you just kind of have to go by backfields. And as you're talking about, you know, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, Broncos. I mean, you guess Melvin Gordon, but they could still replace him pretty easily. Texans. Yeah. And I said, haha, because you don't want to require like nobody's they got 20, 20 running backs, for, I think, in their backfield, don't they? Yeah, like like <laughs> maybe they resided Lamar Miller at this point in time. Who knows? <laughs> but uh like like Pittsburgh, duh, the Niners. I mean, they're you might as well sell them before the draft. It's like because <laughs> who knows how that backfield is gonna look like. The Seahawks. Uh, I do think that the Seahawks could still take a running back, but they just don't have any draft capital. I think they have like one second round or third round pick. So maybe, maybe, you, maybe you pick up Chris Carson or I, I, I kind of thought you, Giovanni Bernard was going to sign there. I uh, wrote the bears question mark and then the bucks, but just any sort of ambiguous backfield before the draft, if you can get any sort of value out of it. Like I, I even try to get miles Gaskins as a throw in a trade. And they were like, I, I, you know, I value miles Gaskins a lot higher. It's like okay, we are we are going to be way off here. I need to pivot. But my, you know, you could, I, I, you know, you could make the argument that Miles Gaskin, um, he, you know, to, I mean, he could his value probably will go down. But um, you know, I, I understand why that person would throw them into a deal because what if what if the Dolphins don't draft any running backs? I, I think that would be highly highly unlikely. But there is a world where that happens, so you might as well keep him unless you can get a lot for him. You know, so yeah, I understand yeah. that owner's thinking to not completely see him as a throw in, but in a couple of weeks, they could take a couple of running backs in the draft and he could very much be a throw in and irrelevant. So yeah, anyway, it's, I, it's know, just it, an interesting it, it, game it, to play. Had really good receiving stats too throughout the year. I, these like sneaky, these like middle, like mid-level uh, pass catching backs, like a Chase Edmonds, like a Miles Gaskins. And I know Miles Gaskins. I think he won uh, some fantasy playoff matchups. So he definitely maybe has some like heart in him. Heart. That's important. Important attribute. You know, you know, like Captain Planet, everybody wants to be heart. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember Captain Planet. Um, He's a hero. <laughs> yeah, going to take pollution down to zero. Yes. It didn't happen, turns out. But, okay, any other guys? You, well, you actually have a lot of, like, um, theoretically cell candidates um, that, that you want to think about getting rid of before the draft. Yeah, so to hedge, I said players who are good sell candidates pre-draft, potentially. Potentially. <laughs> so, so don't <laughs> let me do it. Uh, and Ryan, I was thinking about T. Higgins for a while because of the like the chance that uh, like the the Bengals take Jamar Chase, you know, with that fifth overall pick. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to the football guys where the UTH guys that are on the football guys, you know, it's Jordan McMahon and Chad Parsons. Yeah. And it confirmed it. Uh, about a third of the time that a team took an, a wide receiver in round two the year prior, they take a wide receiver in round one the next year, which is wild. And that's why you listen to Jordan McMara and Chad Parsons and like these, these kind of like, like stats, it's pretty crazy uh, of how often they do that. So basically about a third of the time that, that round two wide receiver, and we know it's pick 201, but still being in the second round with, and again, that fits your option. Kind of, the kind of category fits into that too, as, as they mentioned. But uh, T. Higgins is valued at I don't know, like a, like a top fifteen or higher dynasty wide receiver. 
And I think you can get that value out of him right now. I would take that money and run. Yeah, I didn't realize that T. Higgins was valued as a top 15 NSU wide receiver. That's incredible. Um, and I don't quite get it because I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that that's um, not just a narrative. I, I mean, I, I think that even if it's not uh, um, Chase, but and it seems like when you're looking at these mock drafts, people are more and more likely that they're going to go Chase because if you look at the I know they need offensive line help, but if you look at the the strength of this class, I mean, it's the O-line. They'll be able to get a really good tackle in the second round um, early because there are a lot of good ones, which is a, it's an odd year. That's the strength of this class. So I could see them taking Chase. I think he's probably the favorite person or Kyle Pitts, and I think that would hurt um, T. Higgins either one of those picks. So I, I think that this is a good call, um, especially at that value because that's, that's, that's pretty lofty value, you know. Um, and I, also too, I think if you're able to get like top 15 wide receiver value, even if we're wrong on this, even if he Higgins goes up, I mean, what exactly is his ceiling? Even if he rises in value, it's not like you're, it's going to be like this huge loss for you, you know? So I like that. I think that's a good, I think that's good advice. Cause yeah. I think you have much more to lose than to gain with T Higgins, at least short term. Yeah. So, so T Higgins and DLF ADP is wide receiver 13. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I, I guess I just have never, I didn't, didn't value him that way or, or don't. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I could see like, you know, um, like wide, like late wide receiver two. I was thinking like maybe around 2022 20, or something like that. I could see that, but that's, that seems high, but yeah, I, I, I think kinda, I, I kind of wish in DLFA's ADP that they would show what, what he's mock draft, uh, his positional value was because like he's ahead of Terry McLaurin, uh, Chris Godwin, Alan Robinson, like Brandon Ayuk, I think Brandon Ayuk is another like, kind of like sell candidate. I just don't don't trust that 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 Sasson. I mean, I got him at a value last year quite a bit, and I've, I've been trying to move him because he is very like he's been talked up so much over the dynasty community. But uh, I mean, I think I would still take Keenan Allen over T Higgins because I just have been love with Keenan Allen. But anyway, but that that's a T Higgins like you use him as that piece to get to the that you know that that upper tier RB one that uh, is that you know, that, that week, week difference maker. So anyway, Higgins is, uh, I, I was, I was kind of surprised at how high he is. And because Ryan and in, in that, in that contract league, I sold T Higgins to get rid of dollars to pick up, uh, again, you know, another probably pre-draft sale is JJ Arcega Whiteside. So uh, a couple, yeah. JJ. <laughs> um, so a, a couple of, a couple of deals here. This is past couple of weeks, T Higgins. So, you can send T Higgins and Damian Harris for Chris Godwin. Like that deal? Like the Godwin side? I don't think you need to send uh, Damian Harris. No, I don't too, but that's, that's the deal that was made. So I, I'm, I'm, these are real deals that have gone down. So I'm just throwing that out there. I, uh, Cause I like the Godwin side myself for sure. What about also, this? I kind of, I kind of think Damian Harris has some upside though, Ryan for next year. Uh, I like Damian Harris as much as the next guy, but I think he's like a flex spot piece i don't think i want to rely on yeah him but as... the non-pass catching touchdown hammering running back in new england <laughs> oh, they, now, okay. they, now they now they got the the two tight ends back Ooh, let's go all right what okay t higgins are the no, totally are fine the, totally t fine higgins are the 107 in superflex oh the 107 yeah me too um i'm just i'm just seeing for like i don't see like ridiculous returns and trades but but yeah you let's just say play. let's just say four of the top qbs go in the first six picks 
you're, you're now going to get either Jamar Chase or your your pick of the wide receivers after that. Yeah, and like I, I, I mean, like I, right? I'm really falling in love with Terrace Marshall, so that's what made that that 108 and 208 trade uh, harder earlier. But anyway, yes. So anyway, T. Higgins, he just has more risk than what we're uh, giving up or chatting about. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. Um, uh, some other names. Throw uh, I, I put in McCall Hartman, but then I thought about it. I don't know if he has any value anymore. So maybe move McCall on. Hartman for a ham sandwich. Yeah. I mean, I remember having McCall Hartman last year and, and like reject, like uh, trying to counter and reject deals. And all of those were mistakes. All of them. And, and hopefully McCall Hartman still has a long, great NFL career, but just not, it wasn't, it was, it was a bad bet. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Um, I think Mike Williams from the Chargers is a sell. Yeah, I, I agree at this point. I, I, I just feel that um, there's a chance they could bring someone one in to to add to their, you know, pass catching core. And I, I, yeah, he just hasn't done it right. I mean, he's shown some sparks, but I, I don't know. I think the other, the, the thing is, what can you get for Mike Williams though? Like, what is he, and, and maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe you just, maybe his value is only going to go down. You just get what you can for him, but I'm not sure what you can get. Yeah, I, I will miss it though because he had uh, the the two outlier seasons. So he went from you know uh, 660 yards and 10 touchdowns to a, th- a little over a thousand one yards and two touchdowns. So mm-hmm. a regression candidate coming in 2020, and turned out he regressed to the mean on both. So <laughs> it's boring. But I just think that he's he, they're they're probably did they pick up his fifth year? I don't think they picked up his fifth year. They don't yeah. decide they had to then, and I don't know if they will. And I just think right. that that, yeah, again, they got many issues. I don't think they will. Yeah. Also, they, they saw what Herbert could do with the other wide receivers in that group. And if they can pick up a, a wide receiver on day two and have that rookie contract, Mike Williams is gone. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Um, uh, you're, the next couple of names on this list are interesting for me. Well, that you put, I, I, I want to respond to them. So, but you want to talk about them? <laughs> no, no, I just have to guess who they are. No. Uh, so DJ Chark and LaVisca Schnault. I get that they are for sure, uh, the, like the Jaguars are not, they're for sure not going wide receiver in the first round, right? But the, yeah. the hype is rising uh, with uh, Trevor Lawrence coming in and with this passing game. And I just think that at this point in time, like I, if I see another LaVisca Chanel breakout article and saying how it's going to happen, uh, I might I might just like fall asleep. Like, we get LaVisca Chanel was good. Ryan, we, I liked him for a long time coming back into college and thinking it could absolutely be a stud. But I'm, I think at this point in time, like the, his potential value has exceeded what his actual value is going into the next season. Uh, DJ Chark, another one of my, one of my favorites, and a Chris, Har- Chris Harris favorite who watches all, like, all the film. But in general, I just think that these two wide receivers are being valued too highly for how the wide receiver turnover is probably going to happen there. I'd be surprised if they re-signed DJ Chark and I'd be surprised if Chanel really turns out to be the fantasy asset that we want him to be. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that these are, especially with LaVisca Chanel, because I, I do feel like the hype is kind of rising on him. Um, I, I think I like DJ Chark a, a little bit more than you do. And I would be a little bit more hesitant to, to move him, but but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a new regime coming in and, you know, th- these are kind of like guys that have some hype attached to them and why not, um, you know, cash in because I, I think that, yeah, there's a chance that they could 
could rise and 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 increase in value. But yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm I'm okay with moving on these guys, spending what you could get. So I think they're definitely guys worth exploring because you're right, in some leagues, some guys will probably overvalue these guys. Yeah, yeah. and uh, in the you know DLF ADP. Uh, Chark is going at wide receiver 32 and Chenault is going at wide receiver 37, which actually, I didn't really look up before that, but I was, actually I seems kind of, it actually seems kind of low to me. Yeah. So that was the, so in a, a 14 team, uh, two tight end league, uh, DJ Chark went for pick 113 in this year's rookie draft. That, that, in what league? What was, I'm sorry. It was, he went. Oh, sorry. It's it's a twelve team league that has a, the extra on top, but a, a twelve team super flex two tight end league. Yeah. Uh, Shark went for the the one thirteen, which is the like one... the, the toilet bowl pick. You have one extra pick in the first round, so basically but, the two hundred one. This counters the two hundred one. So, no. Oh, you're talking about for, for a tra- this is a trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay, that, that's, that's kind of what brought this up. Gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, I didn't articulate that well. No, that's okay. We're, we're getting longer into the podcast. That's okay. But uh, so basically, the like the the two oh one in a super flex, but the two tight end kind of throws everything off because there'll be potentially another tight end. Like if if Brevin Jordan or Fryermuth go early in the second round, they may they may bumped up to the, the first round on this. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's one it's one of those things. I don't think it's something you you have to do, but. Um, I, I think you're right. I think Chanel is one of those guys that's getting a lot of hype that it's, it's probably worth exploring what you could get, um, in, 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 in leagues. Cause he is like, yeah, sleeper and he's going to break out and that narrative. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that, um, uh, yeah, sometimes those things happen. Sometimes they don't. So, oh, I, was, I said, yeah, Chark was for the, for that pick, not Chanel. Um, anyway, uh, like, uh, like, like long story short, right? I, th- I think that they've just been bumped up too high, but I don't know. Now I'm kind of regretting this take as we're live <laughs> on air. Well, then I look at what they're actually farther down. I, yeah, what they're, when I look what they're actually fetching, I'm like, eh, it's not like you can get like a ton for them. So, um, I, I, you know, I almost feel like <laughs> this is why yeah. we ended potentially. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> potentially. So potentially you don't move them. Um, potentially maybe you move a guy that's not on the list, but I'm going to add somebody I was thinking about. And I, I guess there are reasons that I've heard the Cowboys might not do this, but Michael Gallup, I think is a guy that's, that's cheap. The other teams might be interested in, I guess. So there's a, a way they could get a compensatory pick. That's pretty high for what maybe they could get for moving Gallup. So maybe that doesn't happen, but um, you know, he, uh, let's say the Cowboys do manage to get Kyle Pitts. you know, all of a sudden Gallup goes even further in the pecking order and, cause I think he's the odd man out there in, in Dallas, uh, you know, cause I don't think they'll be able to resign him after this year. So uh, Michael Gallup is, is kind of an interesting name for me. Cause I think if he moves on, I think he's talented. I think he could, he could um, rise in value. Yeah. But where does, like, how, like that's how actually, a, that's actually a buy. That's actually a buy candidate. That's Silicon. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, so like over Curtis Samuel's value moving into this year. Yeah. I mean, I think Michael Gallup's really good. I think it's possible. I mean, I don't, I, and I think his values dropped enough where you could get him for a pretty reasonable value. Let me, I mean, I can, I can look it up because I, I don't, I should have before the show, but I, I don't think he's going to cost you a lot. Like I, I remember Michael Gallup was kind of a, um, like a hype name last year going into last season, like, oh, you know, get Michael Gallup. And then CeeDee Lamb kind of threw that out the window, right? When he went to Dallas. So, um, 
How about this? DJ Shark or Michael Gallup in the 203? <laughs> which, which side do you like better? Uh, I think I'd just take Shark. I don't know. Well, is it Superflex? It is. Is it two tight end? It looks like it's just a one QB league. Yeah, so. I'd probably go Shark then. I actually think I do too. I just, I, it, I, I mean, I guess with the Turk and Chadalt comment, and as we're kind of like droning on and bouncing around here, is that uh, those are two players you should go out and see what value you can get for them in your league. That that should have been the the initial point, and it could have been much more concise by Greenwood Analytics. Yeah, but we're here now. The last part is, I think any secondary Green Bay pass catcher that you can get any value for, you should move on from. Oh yeah, I agree. And I think it includes Tanyan. Tanyan. Yeah. I, oh, I agree. Agreed. I, I I totally agree with that. Because the wide receiver one is Adams. Uh, the the wide receiver two is Aaron Jones. <sighs> okay, Let, let's. Uh, we got. We still have a lot of things to talk about. Let's let's quickly go through a couple more names, and then we can get to the tweet of the week. And I, I'm I'm just starting to fade a little bit. So yeah, um, no. Let's let's move the names to next week. We still have a whole other week to talk. Oh, about. Oh, you're right. Well, okay. So next week we'll talk about potential after the draft acquisitions on the next Fantasy Joes. Okay. Now that I've set that up, let's go back into it now. (laughs) We've changed our minds. And okay. (laughs) So, but let's hit your two to the week really quick to maybe we'll do that. We'll do the two minute warning. We'll get out of here. So, um, you want to you share your tweet? You, Will, you actually put in the tweet of the week. This is the first I know. time I think you've I ever done on, this. popped on Twitter and uh, our, our friend, Kane Fossil, and he's a Minnesota Gopher fan. So, I guess we're intrinsically rivals. But uh, he had a tweet that said, I really do not enjoy trade negotiations in messages. Either reject or counter. Will not try to get the cheapest possible price by giving you the used salesman routine. I try to send good trades right away, mainly to avoid conversation, which I kind of get. Uh, so overall, I, I agree with our good friend Kane a, a little, like mostly just a little bit. And I think it's one thing, Ryan, in dynasty leagues where you don't know all the other like people in your league that I have literally seen and dealt with. Uh, it's almost like like dynasty league bullying. It's uh, telling you that you're wrong. They'll get references. They'll come back with everything. And just because you don't want to do a trade that you are absolutely basically stupid for not taking their offer. And I, I, so I get where this comes from because there, there is this segment of the dynasty community that as soon as you can identify it in a league, like I've, I've left leagues because of this, it's just, there are just awful, awful people out there. And the rest of the people who are, are maybe nice and potentially too much of a pushover or not strong enough takes uh, that they, that they, they bet like they, they, they move for it. And one of the biggest conversations I had was talking about Jarvis Landry versus Cam Newton in a, in a super flex two tight end league, like pretty high stakes. And the quarterback scoring was astronomically higher in this league than what it is in a normal league. But yeah. he sent me a screenshot of what Curtis Patrick, the dynasty commander said about the trade offer. And I said, Hey man, you offered no context or anything to that. Like, I just, I really just wanted to tell him to, I, I was just so angry because this is the absolute worst kind of person in dynasty league. And I really do hate that. And I, it, it bothers me to my core. And you're getting fired up about a couple of things tonight. Well, this is this is kind of kind of fun, but I, I don't like to see my friend Matt. So, um, yeah, I, I oh gosh, well, there, I have so many thoughts on this. 
Um, I, you know, in terms of trade negotiations, I think it can be fun, but one, I think one of the things that I, I do hate the bullying, you're right. I've, I've seen it. It's like, it's like, you know, I don't want to do a deal. Just, just leave me the hell alone. You know, I like, I, we don't agree on this. We're not going to come to terms, forget it. You know, let's just not talk. So I I'm with you. I, I hate that. And I, I also hate the like really ridiculously low ball offers, especially like, you know, people that know me in the league, like I, I've made some bad trades before, I'm sure, but I'm not a complete idiot. And I, you know, I, I have a, um, I, I do, I do a, a, a dynasty podcast w- with a friend of mine each week. So I'm, I'm pretty plugged into values and, and stuff. Sometimes I'm surprised. So I'm not going to take, you know, your offer of, you know, David Williams for, for, and send you Saquon or something. It just like it, it, it does. That's my biggest thing. When it's like a guy just throws an offer, I'm just trying to get the conversation started. It's like, well, if you get the conversation started, like let's get in the, like the, in the ballpark, let's not be like, you know, across oceans from each other. You know what I mean? That's, that's really what bothers me when I get just like horrible, horrible deals. And well, my, and my biggest like, thing with, yeah, with that, Ryan is using information that you have access to that maybe somebody doesn't, but it isn't league specific. It's the hardest part because there's like, DLF ADP is not league specific. So if you say, yeah. oh, well, you know, this person's DLF ADP this, and this person's DLF ADP that, like, I'm not paying you anymore. And you just be like, well, I, I just disagree with that. Like, you should you should feel always okay with saying no to an offer because you feel differently about a player. Like, regardless of whatever resource they reference, they don't know what league you're in the scoring. Uh, and it's just, it, yeah, the that Curtis Patrick moment, Ryan, I thought was hilarious. Yeah, like you're, and like you're gonna be like, oh well, Curtis Patrick says I'm a fool to not take the steal. I, be, I better do it. I, lo- I love Curtis Patrick, by the way, but but like but like that's going to like influence you, like push you over the edge, right? Like um, like like anyone says anything. So well, yeah, and all that stuff's in a vacuum. You you know, yeah. there was no like pictures of teams and scoring and needs because Curtis Patrick also doesn't want to answer everybody's question that is <laughs> based on every sort of like like nuance of a league scoring and team build. And we talk about this all the time, especially today in Dynasty. You know, scoring is dramatically different. It's different across all our leagues. I'm, I'm in this league, uh, for example, that that Trey's a commissioner. It's it's called um, Arms Race, and like wide receiver value, way higher in that league than other leagues because of the scoring for wide receivers. Then there's other leagues where you've got like, uh, you know, half point per carry or something. So running back, you know. Value is going to be way higher than other leagues, and it's it's just like, the, you know, we you know we talk about two tight end leagues or tight end premium scoring, and and it's it, it's they're also dramatically different. IDP league, you're talking about trading IDP leagues where you're oh, starting some more people. That's I mean that's also you know hard to you know get on the same page with values too. So there are just so many variables, and yeah, it's yeah i'm with you just just so, you know it's it's okay to negotiate and try to like say well here's what i'm thinking i think this helps you this might help me what do you think how do you value this like getting the back and forth that can be fun but yeah not when it's like you're you're an idiot for not doing this look at the screenshot from this dynasty analyst that's that's annoying yeah and i, I think with, with what kane is saying too is referencing to that but he was being much nicer about it in his his tweet uh you know saying that like he tries to send the good trade at first which you should always try to send a decent trade at first. The worst way to go about also, right. I've noticed when I've like offended somebody accidentally is when they said like a really bad counter bag. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, Oh shit. Sorry. Like I, I, I didn't mean that like, you know, that our values were so far off and I apologize, but uh, this is what I was, and then maybe I'll put like a little thought in it 
or I'll just, you know, I'll just move on from it. But there is right. a, that's one thing in the dynasty community that I think is under discussed is that there are some jerks. Like I've, I've been in leagues with plenty of jerks and you have to be willing to, uh, I mean, honestly, I think at this point in time, I'm, I'm on the like ignore path. Oh yeah. I think that's the, the best way to do it. Um, and, and I appreciate what Kane says about mainly two way conversation and, and so, you know, time is a factor too. And, and sometimes I know I don't have all day to go back and forth with somebody. So I'll, I'll be like, I think this is fair. I think they're going to go for this. Maybe I'm losing a little bit in value. If I did the back and forth, I would gain some value here, but I don't care. This, I think this, this is win-win. Let's just get a deal done. And I've got a lot of deals done that way, especially in leagues where, you know, the owners where it's like, you know, we deal with each other a lot. This is like, I, I, I mean, sometimes I will like, we're all kind of like, kind of get send a feeler deal out there to kind of gauge value, but more and more will I just send a, a deal that I think is pretty fair at the end of the day. And maybe I'll tweak it, but maybe I won't. Maybe I'll be like, no, this is pretty firm. And you know, that's just my style. And uh, I know everyone is different, but yeah. Well, so here's where, here's where to come back on the, the trade negotiations and messages is saying like, if somebody sends me a trade and then I go back and I look at the roster and I'm thinking like, Hey, what if we sub out this person and that person versus ha- going through the whole like, like counter routine and fig- like you kind of figure out like what, like what you'd like in that, in that offer versus what they have their player value. I don't know. There's, there's just more to it or saying like, Hey, should we expand this trade further? Cause you could go back and have 30 counter offers that you've looked at uh, pre- like pretty in depth but you have no idea what that other person's thinking. So right. you can go like, that's where I think in messages, it, it helps quite a bit. But when I send a, like a message along with a trade, I don't expect a quick response. Like, I don't know their schedule. I mean, right. Like a uh, first name Anders that's in a few leagues of ours. I believe he's in Germany. Uh, like, I mean, it should be, it'll be, it'll be a couple hours unless, unless he's up at the discotheque. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, we don't. And, and yeah, a lot of times in, in league chats are active and some people are super responsive, but everyone has different schedules and stuff like that. So we should probably move on to our two minute warning, Will. So what, what are your final thoughts this evening? Uh, my fantasy wish is please can, can Odo Beckham just be elite again, just to, to throw like, like throw us on our heads that, that, next season. He could be, I mean, he, he's talented enough. That's for sure. Um, you know, in, in terms of my fantasy wish, I, I just want to see, um, skill position, you know, players get drafted as high as possible in the draft. And, and, and I think we're going to see a lot of guys go day one, day two, but I just want to see just a, a ton of wide receivers, a ton of running backs, you know, maybe some surprises, you know, maybe, um, you know, guys that are projected to go third or fourth round, somebody in the second round, something like that. I, I just want the draft to be everything we want it to be and and more um, with the skilled position players. That's that's all I want. Well, let's we'll find out in a couple of weeks if I get my wish. Yeah, like, like how many skill position players do you want to take in, in day one and two? I I, I also like, want Justin Fields to slip down to pick twenty and the Bears can get him, but but that's that's really more of a like a wild fantasy as opposed to a wish. That's so. really weird, right? Because I wanted to slip to pick 14 with the, with the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll be back next week. We'll talk more. We'll talk more um, action items um, to do before the draft. And then we'll be at the draft. So it's going to be fun. We're, we're so close. So anyway, we're the Fancy Joes. We're on Twitter at FFJoes. You can follow us on um, 
uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantasy Joe's. Will is on Twitter, and he, we know he checks it now. It's at Fantasy Joe underscore Will. I'm on Twitter at Roto Librarian. On behalf of Will Greenwood, I am Randall Vergood, and we are the Fantasy Joe's. Yeah.